Hello, hello. My name is Sean Grabowski, and this is the Mindful Steward Podcast. In this episode, I am interviewing my friend, Tyler Bryden. I only met Tyler a few years ago. I actually, after many years of taking my sweet time, I decided to focus on my career in marketing and advertising. And to get started, I went to a bunch of the smaller agencies in my city and said, hey, I want to work for you. I'm okay with getting paid a small amount. I just want to be impactful and for you to give me the opportunity to learn a lot while I'm here so that I can get to the next level. And Tyler took a chance on me. He ended up giving me a paid job and I learned a ton, but also him and I have become really good friends since that point. I think him and I are people who think a lot alike and he's been a really good influence on me in the sense that he's such an outside of the box thinker. He's always coming up with new ideas. He's always open-minded about new technologies, new possibilities for the world. And I found that really inspiring. And I've tried to kind of take those qualities and, and run with them myself. I think uh, it was a really good lesson just spending a lot of time with him at his company, just shooting the shit and talking about all of these topics. And more recently, he has started a tech startup called Speak AI. I will include the links to his website for that company as well as his agency and everything else that he's working on in the descriptions and, and in the post on themindfulsteward.com. But I've described it many times. I feel like he's such a creative person that it was inevitable that he was going to start a company like this, whether it was this idea or another one down the road. I'm sure he'll have more businesses and more opportunities coming down the pipeline soon, but he has a really unique way of looking at almost everything in the world. And that's a huge reason why I wanted to have him on this podcast to just pick his brain, let him rant about a few things. Cause usually those rants go in some pretty interesting directions and yeah, and just kind of see what he's up to these days and the way he's looking at uh, the world of business, the world of technology and many other things. So we touched on some really cool topics in this episode. I'm actually really excited to publish this one. I think it'll be a really enjoyable episode for a lot of people who maybe aren't exposed to some of the topics that we talk about, including the new science of psychedelics and how powerful they are in therapy, as well as just some of the crazy technology that's emerging in the world today, including the AI technologies that he's using in his new company for analyzing speech patterns. So... Without waiting too long, I'm going to get this episode started, but as always, if you are interested in mindfulness or meditation or even just reading about topics of this nature, I have a lot of different episodes about these things with really influential free-thinking people, but I also have some free meditation resources on my website, so all you have to do is sign up for the newsletter, and my plan is to make this a resource hub where I can constantly be creating new valuable content for people to basically take and use. So I'm not trying to spam anyone, but if you want to follow along on this journey and get some, you know, free recorded meditations while you're at it, feel free to subscribe. My podcast is called The Mindful Steward, but really the kind of people I have on here are just people who live in their own unique way. And in general, the theme I think it's been following is just people who are very free thinking. And, you know, that's one thing that I will say about you right off the bat is 
you have like such a unique way of thinking. It's kind of the same reason I had Whiten on the podcast, but (laughs) I think that's one of the best things that you have going on and why it was kind of inevitable that you were going to found some sort of successful business at some point because you're always like coming up with these interesting ideas that are very forward thinking. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's super interesting because you're always like, every time I chat with you, it feels like you're your brain is kind of going like a hundred miles an hour and and you're way ahead of (laughs) everyone though. You're way ahead of everyone. You're like thinking about what's coming next all the time, which is, yeah, which, which which can be a problem though as well too, right? Like I've had a lot of times where I've tried to pitch something or work on something that does feel a little bit too, like too forward. Like it's um, like even, even with what I'm working on now, I've had to do a couple pitches to more of a general audience and uh, you, you know I've done my best but it is fairly technical and abstract and I almost can't communicate the message across and there's been you know what I've even found actually is I basically been pitching the same thing for quite a while now and now it actually hits much harder like I tried to do relatively the same thing we even talked about it like this idea of like how could we like use triggers in video and audio to then pop up like personalized things I've been like talking about that for years but now, as we've seen more like speech to text and people are more used to all these different technologies, it's much easier to like make that pitch. It, yeah. it, 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 so sometimes it's like cool, and then other times it's just like this sucks. I'm trying to, and, and it's hard. But I mean, that's even why. And we, you know, we've spent some time. That's right. I didn't mean to go going off too much already. But it's like that's why I love coming down to Toronto as well too, because I can. There's sometimes where I can talk to like obviously someone like you or like some of the the, the like events that we go to. It's like it only takes me like 15 seconds to like get it across because they're in that same like technical space or they're working with those technologies as well too so it can be fun or it can be uh, not that fun sometimes fair enough and that's the thing about being someone who's thinking so far ahead is it's unique mm. you know <laughs> people really don't do that until they see the kind of technology most of the time um, yeah. it's an awesome quality yeah but there's there's something I don't know, I thought, one thing that I find fascinating, it was, not to go too crazy with that, but it's just like Jeff Bezos, when he was starting Amazon, they look, he, he always was like focused obviously on technology, but they asked him basically like, what are you doing? And he, and he always would say basically that you go back to the things that will never change. So even though like technology is going to like, you know, um, augment what we're doing and change how we're doing it, there's like core things in humans that aren't going to change. So like one thing that I focus obviously on is like communication. We are constantly exchanging information and that's not going to change. Jeff Bezos was focused, I mean, on books and people reading. It's just been this long tradition that's not going to actually change and then how can you supplement that with technology? So I think there's like the forward thinking part but then also actually respecting or the history part and looking back to see like where are we going to remain as well too. So I find that quite interesting. Yeah, that's a super interesting perspective. Cool. I can see how that probably guides a lot of what you're doing these days. You you think so and I mean... I, there was an interesting, I'm a, so I did MIT, uh, not the real MIT at Western University, uh, Media Information Technoculture, and there was a, even a course on uh, the history of communication, which I, listening to you, I listened to a podcast with Andrew, and it's uh, with Andrew White, and it's really fascinating, I think, for anyone to sort of trace back all these moments in their lives where it didn't really make sense at the time, <laughs> but then as you explore it, sort of makes, it starts to add up and sort of understand like where you are today. And even that course, like we've had such a progress like we progress so much in how we've communicated. I always joke about like, imagine 
you know, just like printing cave drawings on something to try to get a message across. And now to where we know, but then to, um, you know, the printing press. And then what's the thing where you just like tap and you, <laughs> you ding, ding, ding. And oh, you, the typewriter? Yeah, no, the tap, not the typewriter. Um, like they used to use it. I shouldn't be butchering this. Oh, um, like, like Morse code? Yeah, Morse code. Some, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we've had so many different ways that we've actually communicated. And now we're at a time where that communication has like accelerated a lot. But at the same time, there's now challenges with it and I mean that's something that I find very fascinating with what you're doing about podcasting is because there's basically you're communicating with people right now like podcast it's in, a, in an interesting way and the way that you disseminate it is much more different than what we talk in the past but it's really the core essence is just you communicating with people in the way that you're doing so how can we make that better how can we try to figure out um, how are we going to communicate in the future I don't know like there's, there's so I, I just find the whole thing fascinating and I also what I, I think gets me really fired up is that we actually Actually don't know anything about it like just human speech is so complex or um, the brain processes that's going on when we're speaking is so in, like we just don't know enough about it so we still have so far to actually go and that just gets me excited so I think you talked about passion with Andrew and it's um, like if you if I get so fired up about that then I'm not too worried about uh, you know pushing back from the business or not wanting to do it anymore because I'm just so fascinated with it as well yeah Oh man, I think that is one of the keys to happiness, truly, is you have to, it's so easy to say and it's so hard to achieve for most people, so I feel like it's a borderline, sometimes people get defensive when others even say, you know, your your work needs to be around your passions, but if you can create that in your life, I think that is how you feel satisfied most of the time, you know, like imagine when you're directly connected to everything that you're doing, that's powerful. And I think, but I think there's also, you know, what I've seen and what I've tried to take more just like consideration into is that this is, you know, I feel like you are in that way and that I am myself and a lot of people that you're interviewing, but then there's a lot more of a, like just a different mindset for other people as well too. Like I even look at, you know, look at my girlfriend, for example, much like very much more practical, like, and I actually enjoy that mindset as well too. And I enjoy that she finds fulfillment in working a good job and, and putting the work in, but then also the balance of life. Like I find one thing that I see that a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with or just people who I don't know, get caught up in this the, the passion idea is that we become so all consumed. And sometimes that can be really healthy and fulfilling, but other times it can actually have, I think, um, you know, negative outcomes as well too. And yeah. whether that's not spending time with your family and friends or um, over maybe over committing to, and I don't know what over committing is, but um, maybe uh, just like, op- not opportunity cost, but once you get into something, you become so deep into it that you don't, you won't step out of it. Like, I think that's a really, uh, maybe not a dangerous thing, but something that a lot of entrepreneurs and people who are passionate can get because they don't see the signs of like, okay, maybe this isn't working out. <laughs> just fight through. And then we hear all these stories about the people who are like passionate and then they just made it because they just kept their head down and stuff. But then what about all yeah. the people who did the same thing but didn't make it? You know what I mean? There's all, a lot of people who are passionate but yeah. never got the outcome that they were looking for. So I also try to keep that into mind as well too of Tyler, be passionate, be emotional and do what you love but also look at indicators and markers of like are you doing what you're actually supposed to? Are you contributing to the world? Are you going to be successful based off this or have you gotten yourself too off the path kind of thing? So it's hard. This is quite a balance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, that's perfect because I was going to ask you about that sort of thing because I know, I, I swear I know that you deal with this. I think we chatted about it a bunch when I was working for you here, but uh, I talked about it with the episode 
um, in the episode with Andy, but myself, just recently, I got like a decent sized promotion yep. at, at work. And what I thought would happen <laughs> is I would be satisfied and kind yeah, of yeah, slow yeah. down and enjoy myself a little bit more because that's what I really wanted all year was to get that. And I got it and I was kind of just looking at it as if, wow, I did that that easily. Yeah. I should just grind my ass off and do it again and make it happen as quick as possible. And I got totally consumed in just spending all my spare time learning and doing extra courses. Mm. And I kind of got so caught up and realized this isn't even the life that I want for myself. The like obsessed about my yeah. office job yeah. life. Um, and I get, I'm like that. I get quite obsessive and just spend all my time thinking about something. And then it's kind of similar to you talking about your girlfriend. Like I have friends who are these people for me and... I guess girls who I've dated in the past too, but like I like people who really ground me yeah, because exactly. I yep. have that obsessive side. And I thought that's why meditation and mindfulness has come into my life is like a balance of that. But like, how do you deal with that when you get too stuck in? Mm, well, before I came here, I was at the gym. Like okay, at the yeah. gym, I, I say my like the steam room for me is like a quantum of solace. Like it's just like, <laughs> where, no, like seriously, like that's oh, where I, I was amazing. thinking about it actually before because we used to talk about like cold showers. Yeah. And I used to be such a, a wimp. I just like hate cold showers. But now I've been like in, investing more in those as well too. I I did you have one today? No, oh. <laughs> I thought about oh, it. Though. Okay, <laughs> Almost. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, I I I'm, I have to check myself constantly, and I think that's something that I'm much better at than I used to be. Um, I, like I worry and my risk for myself is like going into basically like a manic overdrive of anything like where I can't sleep where I'm just all consumed like like and I think when you have your own business that can also add another layer of like stress and intensity as well too because you're not for just sure. focused on the work you're focused on like balancing the people that you're working for you all the money and all that stuff too so I can get very easily I can get and I get fired up by people so like even after this conversation I'll be like oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just so when I especially doing more what I'm doing now, where I'm almost in some ways like out of the work because like the developers and stuff are building a product, and I'm much doing more like you know the demos and talking to people. I'll get so like like fired up during the day that I really have to like calm myself down as well too. So gym is a huge thing for me. Um, Meditation, although my meditation lately has been um, like I've struggled with meditation right now. So I'm going back to using like there was one thing that really worked for me was like called like the, uh, the candlelight meditation. I'm not sure. Oh, like, yeah. So yeah, just where you light a candle, just light a candle and it. just focus on that. Because if I don't have a focus point right now, I'm just getting consumed by thoughts. Like I'm just I'm not being able to control in, in the same way that I found in the past. And so something like that, like a candlelight or just even a light has been really helpful, helpful for me. Um, I think that what I've realized too is just how many different kinds of meditation there are. Like, you know, gym is a meditation for me. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, like, yeah, the steam room is one thing. Running. I've been running a lot more, which I just like, I loved running growing up, but I was always in this ambition of like trying to be out, like play hockey and be good at hockey. And now it's just like, oh, wow, this is fun. And it's like weird. <laughs> it's like weird to have. I, I, but it's like, they call it like the runner's high. And I just come out of it with like an intense clarity. Yeah. And I like anything that you have to. I like anything that you have to put so much focus on something that you almost everything else falls apart. So like um, yeah. hot yoga, like you're so focused on basically like just surviving hot yoga that your 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 focus comes in and it pulls it down to you know your third eye or whatever, just a focal point, and then that that's really helpful. So find anything that I can try to do to like stimulate that. 
Um, we talked about it all the time, just like binaural beats and things like that really helped me like sort of pull, pull away the excess noise. Yeah. Um, I really need that and um, even just dedicated blocks of time where I can work and not get interrupted. I get to, like, too many notifications, Slack messages, emails and things like that. And it's really important for me to block off a couple hours and just work by myself because I enjoy that. It's probably like people obviously don't like some people don't like work that much but like if you ask me like what's a great idea of a friday night it's like tyler home by himself you know what i mean like <laughs> seriously working. like i not just like necessarily working and i think working becomes this like all encompassing term that's not actually true like every i can at any time i can always say i'm working and i am always working because my mind's like caught up in what i'm doing but at the same time it's not like i'm always like physically doing something or doing it it's just even even to me like on a friday night if i can go home i can journal a bit and then i'll like i'll even have a little like karaoke setup and i'll like spit some raps and that's still like working for me because it's like i'm working through stress i'm working through i'm like meditating i'm focusing and that is my life's work as well too so it blends in with like what people consider the traditional form of work as well yeah yeah interesting I know that kind of is really what the flow state is, is like being fully focused on something and in the moment. Yeah. And I know I hadn't really, like we talked about it a lot. I think that was kind of when I discovered what it actually meant and I'd always heard it, but like for me, obviously sports. And I think that's why I was such an addict of sports because yeah, yeah. it was a detached. You hear talking about snowboarding, like when you talk about it, it's like, yeah. that's what it was for you. It I used to like, describe right? yeah, it. Yeah. I used to describe it before I had even heard of the flow state as meditative. It's mm. like for whatever reason, when your f- body is flying at a jump full speed, like you have to be yeah, yeah. <laughs> focused yeah, yeah, yeah. or you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty, and it, I absolutely loved that. And I think I'm always just kind of chasing that sort of state. Yeah, well, and, and, and I think, like, what if you break down what actually is a flow state, right? Um, and I, again, there's, I think there's multiple ways to achieve it. Um, a lot of people talk about, like, the watcher. So, like, this part in your subconscious that's sort of giving you that second feedback loop. Of just a lot of times it can be positive or negative, but it's sort of monitoring what you're doing and then giving you, like, instant feedback. And a lot of people talk about the watcher going away when you're in the flow state. So when you're playing, when I'm playing basketball or when I'm playing, uh, you know, probably when you're snowboarding, that second dialogue isn't running in the same way. You're just focused on, like, landing the jump or whatever that is. So I find that, I find that really interesting. And then to me, the other part that was always unique to myself was, um, like, time dilation, right? Time dilates. Time it moves differently basically falls away and growing up I always thought it was so weird because people the way people talked about time was always so weird to me because like the the saying like time flies when you're having fun I just always thought that was so interesting like when you were having fun it would feel like five hours was like 10 minutes and then when you were not having fun it was the exact opposite and so to meet myself when I feel like what is flow state it's either when I'm working and I put on my binaural headphones and there's no distractions and literally instantly I'm just like takes 15 minutes or 20 minutes to engage but then you everything just feels it's like your moment feels like you're in the matrix it's a lot of fun uh, <laughs> but then now i look at that as hockey as well too like when i go i, I had a lot of negativity in my career uh, like after my career was done at hockey and looking back of like what was the point of it and now um you know i love playing hockey again and it's because it actually brings me to a flow state like the watcher falls away and you're focused on receiving a pass or making a good pass or you know shooting yeah. a puck. like hockey's so oh, yeah, quick it's, it's so example. quick as well too um <laughs> One thing about hockey that I've been thinking about a lot lately that I thought it's really fascinating is um, it really like sets people up to be 
like a predictive engine. And I think this comes back to like why I look forward to the future a lot and think about, you know, what's coming down the pipe because in hockey, especially when I later in my career, I really wanted to work on like saucer passes. <laughs> just thought they were so sweet, but you are, you're court, you're watching the whole event unfold and you're also predicting where that event's going to, like where it's going to end up. So if there's a guy skating backwards and then you're trying to hit, you know, in between two defensemen while the guy's going, you literally have to time that perfectly and understand what speed they're going at, what speed your player is going at. And so you literally are basically predicting where he's going to be in the future and then making that pass. So I don't know. I just found that really fascinating. Maybe I'm just like uh, trying to make hockey feel even more <laughs> more valuable. But I just, I think that. And um, I was talking to a lady the other day who she um, coaches athletes after they um, come out of their careers and there's a lot of identity crisis and problems that people have. And, oh, but generally, yeah. hockey players, as she said specifically, do really well in their careers after. Partly she thinks because of that mechanism. But then the, the difficult part for them too is because hockey players, especially high-level ones, are so competitive, they also get confused about why people aren't as like engaged as them. So I thought that was really interesting as well too. Like competitive into like a good corporate career, but they're so used to playing high-level hockey and just being go, go, go every moment that when they look around and see maybe not people with that same intensity, it's a really difficult transition. So I don't know, I find, I find that, I don't know, I should stop saying I find it interesting or fascinating because I find everything <laughs> that yeah. way, but I do. And so I love learning things like that and then seeing, you know, how can I connect that with myself but then how can I connect that with what I'm doing and then the rest of the world as well too mm -hmm. you know in general just to kind of play off that topic basically I've been thinking about writing an article for a long time you know I have kind of a list of yeah probably yeah, like see, 50 have, right? articles <laughs> yeah, at any yeah, given yeah. time and I don't get around to writing them all yeah. and I sometimes I just write whatever I'm feeling in the moment but I just really find it fascinating the concept of what sports can teach you because you obviously grew up playing a ton of sports yep. my whole childhood was just around sports too yeah and I find that it really teaches kids that um basically what accomplishment is like you work hard and there are results that come from yeah. that you can earn things by putting in the time putting in the passion and it also just shows you that like when you're really engaged and passionate about something like that's huge yeah um and I think that, because that, I'm not saying that I was a professional hockey player or anything like that, but that's something that, though. yeah, I did yeah, well, yeah, in, yeah. I definitely did well in like all yeah. the sports that I played and snowboarding was what I loved the most. But yeah, I have that same thing where I can't help but care about yeah. progress and like being a go-getter and getting ahead. And, and I look around sometimes and sometimes I just think it's because of, if I don't, I don't know, I think sports almost habitually trained my brain to think this way it's like hmm. that's the way I, I think I've yeah. come to look at it when it's 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 like stimulation and it's challenging yourself I think the other part that goes along that I mean that you experience and I experience and a lot of people experience especially when you play high level for so long is that also things like can't don't always go your way right like you had an injury right your knee was knee yeah you screwed up your knee and that, that can really take you off the path that you think you're going down like I had yeah. many guys in hockey who got injured or um, you know there they you know and some you know just because of politics even on the sports team or something they didn't make a team or you know like all these different cases so I think it's both putting you in this cycle of like yeah if I learn if I work hard I practice then I can accomplish a lot of things I think one thing that they started to talk towards the end of 
hockey in my sports career was a lot more about like visualization, which they, you know, I think is a really, really powerful thing. Um, you know, this idea of basically if you visualize something long enough that when you get into the real instance that your brain can barely tell the difference between it. I, I find, yeah, so I find like, that. I read yeah, that a lot yeah. now, but you were taught about that during your hockey Just time. near the end, though. And that's oh. the other part, and that's where I would love to see, you know, I think we can make sports even more valuable for people if we start to put a little bit more of that focus on it. I was lucky to have some good coaches near the end of my career where they started to bring much more of the element of, like, this isn't just about hockey. You know what I mean? This is about other things. It's about preparing you for your life and talking about visualization talking about I don't know if we could fully got into mindfulness or use those terms but uh, you know we used to do much more um, just more intentional uh, stretching before games and stuff like that so it was more of a, a, a full preparation for life instead of just just hockey itself which I think if we can do that for all sports then sports will become uh, more valuable I think they are already but I think um, I think there's some pitfalls in sports the way they are run right now as well too so Interesting, because that's such a phenomenon that I see everywhere is professional athletes often do very well in their lives after. Um, it is a, a really true phenomenon. Yeah, I mean, I have so many questions to bring up with you today. Throw them at me. <laughs> yeah, throw them at me. Yeah, I want to yeah. ask you about Burning Man. Yeah, okay. Um, I've never <laughs> been. I've, I've always thought it's kind of an interesting concept, but I legitimately had never thought about going myself until this year when I kept hearing about a lot of people I know in Toronto yeah. going and then suddenly I'm hanging out with Julia Lataka yep. and she just brings up that you're at Burning Man <laughs> and I was like no way yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to talk to this guy about that <laughs> oh, um, so yeah how was it yeah what is Burning Man yeah like I think Burning that's Man? a good place to start yeah well I'm gonna print a couple um like housekeeping things out there first. So it was my first Burning Man. So I had my first time Virgin Burner and I don't want to represent uh, Burning Man in the wrong way or the community that they've built there. It's truly incredible. Like if you look back at the history of Burning Man, I think 19, oh, I don't want to get this wrong. I think it's 1984. It's 1984, 1982, which 1984, that's hilarious if that's when it started. Uh, <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, it really, I think one thing that is really uh, a big focus of the event to me is that it's, People obviously call it a festival, and I think that's the idea. that They really push back on that, this idea of it being a festival. There's a lot of music. I've never been, like, a big EDM fan or anything of that, and there's definitely, like, this festival element to it. But generally, and I haven't been to other festivals, so I have not very good markers between, like, what actual festivals are. But um, to me, there's such an other intentional part of what's going on there that I, almost, I, couldn't, I, I wouldn't personally classify it as a festival. So they talk about it as an intentional community. Uh, one thing that separates, for myself, that was always interesting was that the, you know, these idea of these principles, I don't know if you've ever read into them, but Burning Man has these principles. So, you know, radical self-reliance, radical acceptance and inclusion, leave no trace. So leave no, like it, even the leave no trace one to me, I, I was so interested to see, like we're in this world where we talk about climate change and literate and garbage and all this stuff. And there was moments where I saw like someone drop a piece of garbage accidentally on the ground and like 15 people would run to it to pick it up. Like it was just like, don't leave any garbage on the desert, on, on the playa. And I found like all these things just really spoke to me. I'd been watching videos for years. Uh, I didn't really know anyone who'd ever been. I don't know what the first fascination of it was. I remember stumbling past probably eight years ago, maybe. Um, and I just 
like from the first time I saw it, I don't know what it was. It just spoke to me. So I think that people talk about even things like, you know, um, you know, like meditation and mindfulness or things like that or plant medicine, like it calls to you. And it's, I don't know what that is, uh, but that's how it felt to me. And so I've been wanting to go for years and I was just finally afforded the opportunity where I could obviously like afford to go. My, I had a friend who went last year who I went to high school with and I saw her post a picture and I just immediately had like, she had gone the year before in 2018. As soon as I saw the picture, I was just like, I gotta go. Like I just, it hit me at that time, 2019, like 19 has always been a big number for me, whether in hockey, um, you know, just in life, nine, one or one, nine have always been really important to me. And so I just thought this was the year to actually like go and do it. It also, um, was the theme of this year was metaf- metamorphosis. And I've always been completely infatuated with butterflies and the journey from like caterpillar butterflies. So this, everything just like fit perfectly. It just felt right. Um, so the actual event in general, ah, man, it's crazy. Yeah. It's really hard to explain. Um, <laughs> So I'll do my best. Like one thing to me that was really stuck out right away was because you're in the desert and it's completely flat ground, there's mountains that surround you, but like your depth perception is just thrown completely off. Like it's just really hard to tell how far something is away or like how close something is away. And it in general is like four miles wide. So if you have a bike... Like that's a long bike. If you want to go yeah. from one side to the other side, there's a Boeing. Yeah. There's a Boeing jet somewhere out there that all my friends went and toured, and I don't know where the jet was. Like I just don't know how you could see a massive. It's a massive jet, like art art installation. I just never oh. saw it. And it's like, how could I have not seen this massive jet? I thought I saw so much stuff, and then I'm looking back now at pictures, and I barely saw. I probably saw like five. I feel like five percent of like what actually was going on there. Really? And so that, I think that to me was truly mind blowing. There was an application that you could um, download, and it was all local, so you didn't need internet connection. And you could look at all the events and everything are going on. And that actually was probably the most one of the most difficult things to me was you'd wake up in the morning and you'd see 500 events at the same time that all of them sounded amazing, and you couldn't <laughs> go. Like you can't split yourself and go into all these all these things. So it and was really yeah. Who's hosting those events? Just the the camps that go there. So there's like official camps that people have been going for years. Our group I went with, Camp Majestic, shout out, love the guys. They went, so they've gone, this was their fifth year going, and they finally got, I think, approved as an official camp. So we actually hosted an event. We hosted like two mixers. Um, so we fixed bikes and then like did like a charcuterie board and like a bunch of music and stuff. It was a ton of fun. So that's what basically uh, official camp is doing. When you come, I think a big part of it is contributing to the community. So what are you gonna bring and actually contribute? And so all these different camps have um, whatever they do. So there was one that was like Freestyle Palace and like their whole thing was just setting up mics and setting up like freestyle events. So you could go and rap and do freestyles and other ones would serve. I went to this Jamaican breakfast and it was just Jamaican music and reggae music and like the fresh bananas. So everyone brings something and has scheduled times basically that you're going. So I thought that was really interesting. People talk about going and you'd almost said like you'd obviously bring food, bring alcohol, but basically you could go through Burning Man the whole time and you wouldn't even have to supply yourself. So there's a big saying in Burning Man, like the playa, the playa provides. And you could walk anytime and there would be a bar open or food and people would just be waving you in to come eat. Like I had some amazing meals there and everything. I just thought that was really fascinating. And there was a lot of people who just contributed in different ways, whether it's food and events or like the freestyle thing or people, the craziest part to me was these art cars that, um, you know, these massive, like, we went, 
we our one friend there was a DJ, and he got invited to DJ. We were on a gay sheep. It was a gay it was a gay sheep. It was like two stories high, flashing lights, moving around, and the guy was DJing on it. And we're sitting, and all the guy the, uh, the reason why I'm saying is gay. It was like clearly gay. The guys who ran, ran the uh, art car were all like all gay and very proud. Like this was amazing like representation of it. Like flashing lights, and it was like built on a bus. With crazy contraption, you'd go, you'd climb up the sheep's butt, <laughs> like dive into a slide, and then climb up. I took a million, it felt like millions, of, like hundreds of thousands of dollars to create some some of these things. So to me, like I just had a lot more almost like faith in what humans were possible of. Like, that was a big takeaway for me of like how could they take eighty thousand people, ram them in a desert, with all the elements and everything, and then we see this amazing art, and we see just like all these beautiful events just seem to come together in the same time and place that were just like, I, the word I used was like visceral. Everything was so intense. Every fucking moment, sorry for swearing, guys. Uh, it, but it was, it was like, you, you felt like you were, I don't know, just dialed up the whole time. So I don't know if there's anything specific. I went on a little bit of rant there. I'm still fired up and still like processing everything as well too. Still? Yeah. It's, it's like just, a month, right? It's been, yeah. Like it's, over. it's I, cause I had to hop back into work so quick and I noticed a lot of people would take like another week off or something and just sort of sit and relax. And I just was, I didn't have, I, I couldn't. And, um, and so I think it's one of those things where as like any intense experience, once you have, there's like triggers that come later in your year or months past that then remind you of it. And then it's another lesson in learning. So when people talk about Burning Man being very transformative, I actually feel that way myself. And I'm actually still, I feel like peeling away the layers of like understanding how much it actually impacted me. Cool. So, yeah. One thing that just as a complete outsider of Burning Man who really hasn't done that much research, I, I used to tree plant. Mm, and yeah. You know yeah, about yeah. that. There's some fun but stuff there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. a lot of people... You used to burn a man too, didn't you? Did you burn tree, tree people would burn burn? Uh, sometimes yeah, we would have giant yeah, fires giant, for just sure. giant fires. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and what tree planting was that is almost addicting as a young person. Not only are you making like amazing money as a student, but you're up north in the middle of nowhere with no cell reception, and yeah. it's like societal rules just don't exist. It's like its own little society where the norms just don't exist, and. Yeah. You know, you can walk around wearing like the weirdest shit, which is what everyone does because we're in a bush camp in the forest with no internet. And then you come back to normal society and you re- you kind of remember, oh yeah, I have to look a certain yeah. way and act a certain way. And I picture Burning Man being like that where there's just Definitely. its own set of societal norms and you go there and you kind of realize how amazing that kind of utopian society can actually yeah. be. And then you come back to the real world and you just have to realize that things are the way that they are and yeah it's, and I think that's I think that's a difficult part of Burning Man for a lot of people is like you hear a lot of people talk about Burning Man as being like their home because that's the way that you said like the utopian utopian view or the utopian way of living and I think what's difficult to see is with a little bit of intention or and you don't like to go too deep in that but just like almost like ego reduction across the entire world we could actually enable um like a life that's more like that a world that's more like that so i think a lot of people actually do, do get a little bit distressed after they have that experience and then come home um i feel somewhat that way it's tough because 
you know, I've, I've wanted, I've, you know, I think many of us right now in this world can see that the way that it's currently operating might not be the best for us. And so when you go to something like Burning Man or probably like even tree planting sounds a little scarier <laughs> to me. I don't know. Like I, I, I was still felt actually like people always were talk about like how dangerous like Burning Man and stuff. And I felt like quite safe. Like in tr- tree planting, I feel like you could like attacked by a bear. <laughs> so well, I don't know. Like, yeah, 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 exactly. Right. So can. like, I don't, I still felt very safe. Um, there, but it was just, I don't know. It was, it, it both gave me a lot of hope and like faith of like, wow, humans are incredible. And how could we even build some, like some of this art stuff was just crazy. Like there was one, um, there was like a wood, it was, if you ever played like Red Dead Revolver, Red Dead Redemption, there was like a saloon in the middle of the desert. And I just like walked in and we didn't know that anyone from our camp was going to be there. We'd gone all in separate adventures. And all of a sudden I like walk in there and I see like everyone from our camp. It was just like a classic like cowboy movie, like dudes drinking in the back. There's a band up on the stage. Like just, it was just country, like just, and then, you know, the next day we wanted to go back there and find that place and they had just burned it to the ground just like intentionally because and like that's part of it it's just like everything is so temporary and like you know one of the big ones is immediacy like focus on immediacy when you're in the moment and I think it comes back to like mindfulness and you know a lot of stuff that you focus on is of course we have to plan for the future and prepare for the future but do what feels right in the moment as well Mm. too and those things can be so uh, fleeting that you have to try to you know enjoy them as much as you can and so there was some really compelling things um, there to me um I would say that one thing that people didn't realize when I come back and talk about it, um, and it's like, I saw this meme about like a guy, (laughs) this kid, and he was like sweating because it's like, went to Burning Man and haven't got to talk about it today. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, like, so I went to, I saw, I stayed at Julia's the other night and she's going to Landmark right now, right? Yeah. And so like every, you know, we were joking like every fifth sentence is about Landmark and how it like, so that felt, exactly, right? It felt very much like that to me and so like one of the things that I thought was um, like amazing that I didn't even understand the full power of it was like obviously during the night some crazy stuff happened like uh, some big DJs I don't know any of that stuff but it was a lot of fun I got I, I, it was my first time understanding why people went to things like that I was like oh shit yeah. this is a lot of fun but I got to go to those so there was uh, it was called the Theo Generation um, and it was put on by like MAPS um, so MAPS is uh, responsible for like decriminalizing MDMA, psilocybin, ketamine research and they've been doing it since the 80s but it's finally like coming to fruition and so they gave like a psychedelic lecture series and I spent four days there in the day like there. I probably watched 15 hours yeah. of lectures from I'd like, probably do this. it same. was man oh and it was this big geometric dome and it just felt so like safe and and, and just was an amazing thing and like I got to learn I just got to learn so much stuff that I didn't even think that I was, I mean, I hope that stuff was there, but I just didn't understand like how much that part is built into it. So like mindfulness or teaching you how to do yoga. We did a Wim Hof, uh, Wim Hof training session as well too. Oh, like nice. this, like holotrope. Like, awesome, holy crap, man! Yeah, yeah, thing. that was a rush. Like I was, I had done breathing stuff before, and I really think there's a lot of power in it. But it was very um, like there's probably. F- like 35 of us in like a geometric dome and it was very like we did like this avatar stuff like where you were we like everyone synchronized their breathing for like 20 minutes and then we did another one lay down and you do like you know the four 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 seconds in eight seconds out and you had to do like 120 of those and by the end of it people were just like it was completely psychedelic state yeah and it was just like, okay. it was crazy i i just i i it, you really like to me it was another moment of just like wow what you can tap into 
as a human. Like all these things you often think and people who use even like psychedelics, I think a lot of times people think that it's the substance coming from the outside and then coming in that's then triggering all this stuff, which there is that part, but all that stuff is coming from internally mm-hmm. as well too. And to access those same states through breathing, like was it, really, yeah. really eye-opening. It opens yeah, it up to a yeah. lot of people who might be closed it, off it, oh, to it was crazy. the idea of experimenting. It was, I mean, I felt like you actually, every person has the capability of being like a superhero in a way, you know, and I know that's yeah. cheesy, but it's just like, I didn't know you could activate something that deep um, in yourself. Like, I could, like yeah. I'm just thinking about it now. And um, so I think there was a lot of like really amazing lessons for, for myself like that. I won't go too deep into this stuff now, but like the psilocybin and the MDMA treatment and stuff, like it's truly, truly like mind-blowing to me. It felt so... I've had obviously anecdotal evidence of that in my life, um, but to actually hear from like some world-renowned like doctors and scientists of like the actual studies that are coming out right now was, I'm I'm so glad I actually got to listen. It was like going straight to the source and getting that information. Like talking about people who are ahead of their time. Like these people are ahead and they've been pushing for decades, oh, understanding yeah. what some some of these treatments and substances are capable of, and fighting tooth and nail against um, you know traditional. Um, you know, government structures and things like that who had no, um, no, no idea that there's any purpose for this stuff or didn't want to, right? So yeah. one thing that really stuck out to me, so Rick Dobbin, the founders of MAP, gave his opening introduction, and, and it was amazing to hear that this is basically happening. Um, so decriminalization of psilocybin, MDMA has been a big breakthrough one for them. And like it's people reaching across the aisle. So there were people, like very progressive people, obviously like your George Soros's and all these people who are putting a ton of money into this stuff but now we're seeing people who are like I don't know if that was that specifically but the Murdochs and the Mercer family like all these like right wing um, you know traditionally what people would be Republicans and what people would think would be against it um, are putting money into it as well too and it's because this science is so clear one thing that's really aligned a lot of people is war vets like war vets right now in the US there's 20 veterans killing themselves a day like who have come back from Iraq like it's um, it's, it's a devastating crisis and now there's like I talked to a psychotherapist who said what she was capable of in three to four years trying to rehabilitate a war vet she could now do in three to four hours with MDMA wow. and it's like holy like when you hear that from a person who's been doing psychotherapy for years it's just you can't ignore it so oh, yeah. I've come you know I think people like come back it's like <laughs> guy went to Burning Man like love psychedelics now you know but it's like <laughs> no like I, I it's like so this part of the stereotype but now it's just like no like the evidence is so clearly like oh, cemented yeah. in my mind that um, I feel like I and my part of Burning Man to me was trying to explore that and now I almost feel like I have no other option but to at least try to talk and share a little bit about that because it's been anecdotally healing for me but then also um, we're finally seeing long-term studies and real studies that are proven and stuff Mm -hmm. as well too. And I mean there's a lot of research going on and there's very few things where the science is so definitive as with psychedelic therapies (sighs) and you know I think the whole problem is that there are people who have never experienced those those plant medicines and they just think that they're bad. Whereas, you know, we just need to open our minds a little bit because you look at some of the most influential people in the world and they yeah. preach these things. And you can talk to a lot of them who even don't talk about it and you could ask them. Um, and that's why I've really opened my eyes to like microdosing and things is because yeah. I kept hearing about, and Landmark. Landmark like yeah, actually yeah. kind of changed my life. But those two things, I just kept hearing from the most, I don't know, fulfilled people who I was meeting in Toronto. Yeah, they were yeah. like, yeah, you know, I microdose and I did Landmark and it changed my life. Things like that, right? It's just like, 
Yeah, the landmark thing sounds very interesting because I've heard both from you and now from Julia as well too, who gave me a rundown. So I don't know. I think there's, you know, for me there's there's that aspect to it. I think what is amazing about psychedelics and the revolution that's happening. I think people are much more. Uh, you know, in the, in the 70s, basically, this same push was happening around war and, you know, and really people trying to re- sort of push back against this and trying to be more mindful and get connected. Uh, and unfortunately, that's when, you know, the war on drugs really started. So people are being very, like, we're very optimistic right now, but there's also the understanding of, like, the history of it and that there needs to be careful because, I, I mean, I've experienced yeah. it myself. I Anyone who's really actually... Um, you know, dabbled into like psychedelics at all knows that there can be a dark side of it as well too. And it's, those are very powerful substances. And, you know, I had, you know, one of my early experiences with that was actually, you know, basically debilitated me. So I find both the, um, the need to advocate for it on like, okay, wow, these amazing positive benefits of it, but also, um, the possibilities if you don't respect them as well too. So it's going to be a very interesting push. Like to me, microdosing is, um, I know. I think there. I think there's a, a need for for that. I think there's a need to understand more about it. You hear about yeah, like in Silicon Valley, everyone's microdosing LSD, psilocybin. You know, um, and you know what? As I look back, I find it very fascinating that some of the most renowned scientists actually sort of credit LSD or some sort of psychedelic substance as uh, breakthroughs for some of the research that they're doing. It has a, for myself. It's always been a really good like not to rely on it only for problem solving, but if you've ever seen, there's an image of a brain on psilocybin and not on psilocybin. You've seen that? It's like oh, shows yeah. the connected, right? So yeah. I know it's like, it's become like the sort of the argument for people who like psilocybin. Like this is what your brain looks like on psilocybin and it's what's not. And it's much more deeply connected. And so I think you talk about, you know, like you liking like the way, you know, I think and, and why I'm looking so forward is because I'm making all these connections and patterns that um that's even something like that's like enabled me to do mm-hmm. sometimes that can get a little too dangerous i think people get falling into patterns or like identifying meaning or signs that can be a little that can get a little scary yeah, yeah. i think we've talked about that before that's numerology or astrology or you know like for sure you just, get too yeah, way can, too deep in the spiritual you can side. get way you can and i don't know what actually is like way too deep like i'm not sure I don't know what's valid or what's not valid. Like if you're way too deep into it, is it a bad, I don't actually know. Yeah. So I can't really say anything, but I know in my past I've taken patterns or signs to be too, 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 a little bit too important than what they are. And, and so I think that's a risk that needs to be sort of dealt with as well too. Yeah. So um, I don't know where we got this from Burning Man. <laughs> this is just, like, that was just such transition. a, that was just a, such a key part of that experience for me. And I know that it's not every personal one, but I always love to learn. I always want of, you know understand what's happening especially in that space and um, to know that there's basically for any you know just to bring it back to Burning Man it's almost like a, a make your own adventure like all, all, people I think it'd be interesting or helpful for every person to go at least once just to have the experience yeah. and then realize that it's not all just like obviously like naked EDM you know rich Los Angeles people which there is part of that but um, that there's much more that you can do as well too yeah just mind expanding get some new yeah, neural pathways exactly. going yeah. I also one thing I thought add to that is like there's um, the term that I keep hearing used a lot is like entheogens so entheogens instead of psychedelics entheogens is typically a plant based um, like psychedelic and I just found you know we talk about like the power of words right um like that was a big discussion there was the word LSD, the, um, 
like when I say that word, what visualizations do you have? Usually you think of Vietnam War, hippies. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. do, like or you think of the Beatles. Yeah. You think, right? So they actually are staying away from researching the effects of LSD just because it has such a cultural connotation around mm -hmm. it right now. Where psilocybin mm -hmm. is much less cultural connotation naturally from the ground and even MDMA the same thing as well too and so I just thought even them a lot of them using the words entheogen replaces what can be a harsh word with the word psychedelics yeah, so I, I don't okay. know I just I the like power that. of words yeah I like right? that yeah, yeah. I know because that, that is like half the battle is things have these previous meanings and what society has kind of yeah. labeled them as yeah. which is the problem you know like why why is it that pharmaceutical drugs are labeled as okay and L LSD and psilocybin are labeled as bad. Yeah. Like, it makes no sense at all. They're, <laughs> they're way worse for you. They are completely, like, made from chemicals and stuff. Well, it's, 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 and they're not like, and it's not sustainable. Right. And I think that's what the big, the big excitement around some of this stuff is. And, um, you know, we can switch off this topic as well too, but I just get so fired yeah, up about yeah, it. Cause it's just I like long-term lasting effects. Like they're saying three heavy MDMA treatments can basically, you're basically rewriting sequences in your brain that could have been profoundly negative and you're basically overwriting them. And it's a physical, there's actual physical change taking place in your brain. And so it's not just, you know, what happens with a lot of, um, you know, like opioids or even like SSRIs is it's like modifying things in the short term. But once you stop taking those, you know, those, those treatments, it go, it re returns, right? So, or it does damage through that process. So to know that there's a natural way of rewriting. And I think you talk about a lot like mindfulness and meditation, you can accomplish the same things. So I think that's a big thing for myself too, is, you know, just if you have invested time in psychedelics or you're timid of doing that, there's also other ways to get to those states as well too. Talking about flow state whether it's meditation or yoga and there's a lot of people who are you know straight edge people who are as mindful or dialed in as people who aren't ex you know exploring those substances as well too yeah big so time. Big time. yeah and i have a lot of respect for that as well too because i i you know substances i think can be somewhat of a shortcut um but also yeah. a way to illuminate your path of how you can get there so now that i understand what people were trying to doing growing up hearing about like enlightenment and hearing growing up about mindfulness and all this stuff I never understood what it was and then psychedelics actually enabled me to see okay this is what it is and now how's other ways to get there and now I'm capable of doing that so I think that's yeah. really important as well people don't need you probably shouldn't be doing psychedelics especially heroic doses <laughs> like all, yeah, all, all yeah. the time right so oh for sure for sure I mean just in general I mean I, I gotta like just slide this in here before yes. I ask my next question yes. but um, we probably have about 15 minutes left yeah, but, what do you have time limit? I was wondering what you do for time on this. Yeah, 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 I mean, it depends. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. depends. I like yeah. to keep them between 40 minutes and an hour, yeah, but yeah. we're going to go a bit over because yeah, okay, this fine. is just too yeah, good of yeah. a chat. But um, yeah, like I recently did experience with San Pedro. Mm, and, you know, yeah, it was a classic. Yeah. It was a ceremony. Yeah, like yeah. you go to a ceremony where it's literally guided by shamans yeah, for the purpose of going within. And it was an all day experience. You know, it's very, very different from doing a drug recreationally. Yeah. And I had an, a great experience. That was actually what kind of snapped me out of mm, that obsessed about yeah, work yeah. mentality that I really got myself into that I wasn't enjoying. I didn't feel good. Um, and it really mm. helped me. But after that, I was fascinated because it's a like a 5,000 year old practice yeah, of, yeah. of indigenous people in South America. And it's from a cactus. And there's this myth that is literally from the South American indigenous people that 
when this was kind of when I think Europeans started going over there to yep. take, like, basically yeah, rob yeah. them of their yeah, culture and take all Waterfall, their stuff yeah, and yeah. enslave them. Um, <laughs> this myth kind of emerged that once the once the the white European people finally discovered the cactus and finally gave it the the indigenous ceremonies a chance, that is what would solve all the world's problems. Mm. So it's this ancient like yeah. myth that psychedelics are going to change. <sighs> And it's one that and I think a lot of people are help still people come caught together. on, right? Like, I know there's the saying, it's just like, put a little bit of LSD in the water supply, right? And because it's such a small amount, can have such profound impact. And um, I think there's a lot of people who've had those states actually believe that. I think there is the... I think there's maybe a little bit of an over-optimism. Like, it's not going to solve all the all the world's problems, and it's not going to be able to be disseminated at that large of a scale. Like, the change yeah. that we need in the world right now is going to be an inter like an intergenerational change. We're not going to see... Like, you know, I feel bad for, like, even like Bernie Sanders I think of right now, and I just think of how long that guy's been pushing. You can watch back videos like 60 years ago, and he's, like, still saying the exact same stuff. Really? And he's not going to see... He has in some ways, but the fruits of his labor come to the world, right? Like, he's known this from the very start, and he's pushed every day for his whole life. And um, I think that's something that a lot of people actually need to understand. I need to understand it myself, is I want these changes to happen, but they're, they're not going to be as fast as we think they're going to be, and we might not sort of reap the rewards of them in a way. So I have a lot of respect for people who are doing, almost like sacrificing um, a lot of opportunities in their life or just making sacrifices in general um, for the good of the world especially when they might not like there's a lot of people who can go the other route where it's like okay this isn't going to change so let me just go extract my money and do what I need to do and, and do it while there's other people who are really really focusing on trying to help as best, as best they can so um, interesting yeah I um after my last episode with Andy his dad actually texted me and you know Andy's been a longtime friend of mine so I know yep. his dad quite well <clears throat> and he essentially said, hey, I have this book I really want to give to you. I don't know what it is, but I just want to give it to you. I feel like you would get a lot from it right now. And I picked it up from him the other day, and it's called The Purpose Driven Life. It's all about how to live a life with a greater purpose. I haven't even read it, but I'm excited. Speaks to you, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is kind of a perfect segue, because my question I was going to ask you next was, are you optimistic just about the world and the future? Because for myself personally, you know, I genuinely kind of believe that a lot of the negativity in the news and stuff is not actually how bad the world is. And I think that that not only maybe not that's maybe that's not how I want to word it, but I think it's kind of like an energy pendulum where you bring more attention to how bad things are. Yeah. That, that is not solving the problem. Um, and I think that technology is growing so fast. I'm truly quite more optimistic than I think a lot of people I meet around me. People yeah. are really scared by the things they see on the news. But I kind of think the news is designed to scare us a little bit. Um, you know, it's designed to teach yeah, us yeah. that like success is hard and a lot of things are hard when they actually don't have to be. That's just kind of the message that society tells everyone. Yeah, so thank you for the question. <laughs> Something I wrestle with constantly. Um, I find it, you know, interestingly, if we look, obviously, like, statistically, uh, 
there's always like many ways to look at things statistically yes the world is much better place people not in poverty people living much longer um, you know access to food for you know without having to travel a lot of distances and we're also talking about different certain places in the world right pockets in the world are on very positive trends and other ones aren't like um, you know I think news uh, is not helpful. (laughs) Like, I'm so pumped now when I'm actually reading the news and I see a positive story on it. Like, that's, like, you're stuck in this default state of, like, because I, you know, even at the Good Good Life there, obviously the news is on, you're on the treadmill. And a lot of times I actually don't even try to, like, look at it, but it's hard because they got their ticker going and they got all the flashing stuff. And it's so rare to see just a positive thing on that ticker. It's always something negative. Like, to me right now, something that has actually, like, sort of consuming me is this, um, like, the stuff that's, like, there's a lot of stuff going on in Syria right now, and it's been triggered by some pretty crazy stuff down in the government, down in the U.S. right now. And, um, you know, it's it's hard because even myself, I really try to keep up with politics and, like, what's going on in the world. And yesterday, I was, you know, relatively traumatized because I'm looking at these videos coming out of Syria and these, you know, especially on Twitter, none of these are censored. So you can see some pretty crazy stuff. And, like, it affects me deeply. Like, it just, like, hurts. Like, it's still sort of a cloud on my on my head right now. And so I um, I differ. I go back and forth between optimism and, um, and maybe not optimism. And sometimes I can take a very nihilistic view on life of, like, what is the meaning of this? It was actually one of my questions that I had for you of just, like, what, you know, what basically the same question you had for me because I find that's just such a core thing and I get a lot of optimism and hope from people who are optimistic Um, I think you bring up the technology part I think technology even if I look at that one you know individually it's like can you know I look at technology many times as neutral um, but people can use it obviously in very positive and negative ways so um, sometimes I look at what's going on in technology and I wonder if we're trending in the right direction but then I look at the positive income impacts of it so there's a technology right now i should vet this for sure but it's like basically it could eradicate it could suck the carbon out of our atmosphere and bring us back down to like carbon neutral basically like we want to be and it's going to cost us three trillion dollars a year but it's like that's not actually that much money if all the countries just like grouped up together and do it so i think i have optimism around like people think we're in a hopeless place but there's so much progress going on in all these dis- disparate entities and things that we're taking exponential leaps forward that can actually be really, really positive. So, you know, there's scary things too, like, you know, machine learning and AI, where I spend a lot of my time, there's brilliant positive outcomes of that because there's no way for human brains to process the amount of information, identify patterns, and then make judgments or diagnosis. Um, but there can also be negative ones as well too. Yeah. I don't want to go too crazy into the story, but I'll tell you one thing about this. So I'm not going to answer your question right this but I want to tell you the story because I think you would find it pretty wild so we went down to this Amazon Web Services um, summit a couple weeks ago in Toronto this is when I was supposed to stay (laughs) stay at your place and stay at Julia's Um, and so we were doing the keynote speech the guy one of the guys named Joshua is the head uh, one of the first hundred people at Amazon and so this is to me where it comes down like Amazon has built a dynasty and their technology I think people don't understand how much people rely on Amazon, not just for shopping, but for for the technological infrastructure of the world right now. Everything is run on Amazon Web Services, basically, like Netflix, like everything you can think of was almost hooked into these systems, right? And so Joshua's name is, he's one of the first hundred employees at Amazon. He's standing on the front of the stage. It's probably like 5,000 people in the audience. He's talking. All of a sudden, a protester stands up in the crowd and says, Joshua, you're killing babies. Like, because 
what Amazon's also doing is letting Palantir, which is a Peter Thiel company, um, basically use their technology to do facial recognition and all these things down at the border uh, down in the U.S. And it's causing immigrants to be deported. It's causing babies to be dying and all this stuff. And so she jumps up. So everyone's there for this Amazon web service, jumps up, starts screaming. And it was just like so intense. And that goes back to the Burning Man of like the visceral. It just like was really screaming at him. He won't make a response police come get her out second later another protester jumps up it was this organized protest and there was probably like 12 people by the end of it who stood Whoa. up and like like literally the one girl was the seat behind me i could feel her like breath on my head yelling like i but like my people are dying families that look just like me and they're using your technology to do it right so it's like holy shit like so when we talk about like optimism, it's so weird to see this optimism, optimistic group of people using this technology and trying to use it for good things, but then seeing the negative side of it as well too. And so uh, I really do, I straddle the line between optimism and, yeah. and sort of this dark side as well too. That's quite conflicting. Yeah, it's very, I felt, I want, like, I, cause I use Amazon Web Services. Like I yeah. have like a lot of the technology that they're using and it's like, I'm trying to use it for a good way, but knowing, the other ways it's being used, it makes me feel weird right now thinking about it. Yeah, this and is giving yeah, me the creeps because yeah. this is the kind of stuff I'm sitting around trying to learn and master right Exactly, now. yeah. So I hope that's not too dark of an answer to the question. <laughs> but just, I am a very optimistic in a lot of ways. And when I you know have conversations like this and there's so many people doing like amazing things like this, but then sometimes you just see this like darkness and you just wonder where it came from and how it got there. And um, I just don't know. I don't think that's an answer we're going to be able to see in our lifetime. I just It's too deep-rooted, and I don't know if we're going to have the ability to treat it on a large scale. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, this isn't... It, it's, you know, it's relatively, it's not, no, this is, this is not the right way to say it, but it's like, it's relatively easy to, it's not easy, but we have a lot of trauma. Everyone is traumatized in certain ways. We're so blessed to be over here where we do have trauma. Um, you know, the trauma is, you know, come, growing up with, um, you know, maybe an alcoholic father, or, you know, or, you know, obviously there could be deaths in families and stuff, but we're also, there's other parts of the world that are being traumatized that we cannot imagine. You know what I mean? Oh, Where yeah. like whole cities and villages are being wiped out or mass genocides and stuff. And I just know with the trauma that I've experienced in my own life, how much of an impact that has on me and how much that can consume me. How is how are we gonna help that with other people as well too? Who are their trauma, you know, you can't just compare like that, but it seems so much more like extravagant in a way than than what we've faced ourselves personally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's something that Andy has mentioned quite a lot to me. And that's half the reason he's so involved with that charity yeah. in Africa. Yeah, because that's he went stuff, down there, man, yeah. saw it. He saw that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, I, South Sudan is where yeah. that is happening. People are going into the towns, just killing every single person and then leaving. And then people like Andy's organization are coming through to feed everyone and just finding like yeah. dead a whole village of dead people. And it's absolutely extreme, right? Um, yeah. Let's put, let's put a positive spin on the end of this. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, it's just, it is, it is. It's very, it's traumatizing for a lot of people. And I just, I, I know, you know, everyone wants to hear the, op obviously the optimistic answer of, you know, everything's trending right and stuff, but there's, it's not true. So I just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I, if I take that opportunity, um, you know, I have to be honest with myself and maybe honestly, you catch me on a different day, I'm going to give you a different answer. <laughs> so yeah. just something to consider as well too. I think we all go in ups and downs of like optimisms and just the ebbs and flows of life and what we're seeing and what we're consuming 
seeing, you know, if you take good stuff in, you think good things and good stuff comes out. But if you're seeing more negative things, that exact same process can happen. So I think it's also about what you're consuming, but then also dealing with the responsibility of what you should be consuming. So it's really easy for you to say, ah, news is too negative. All this stuff is too negative. I don't want to hear about it. But then there's also, the, for myself anyways, the obligation to pay attention to that stuff because that's what it means to be human and that's what's actually impacting the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can feel, you know, one one thing that I, I wanted to bring up just as well too, sorry, I know we got some time, but it's just like, the en- like this idea of like energy. And we've talked about it before. To me, I've had that feeling in my life of just like energy um, or like we're tapping into the subconscious of the world or even the conscious of the world and that can actually impact you. So I found when, for example, the stuff that was going on in Amazon or the, when the, and it still is, the forests were burning, it almost seemed to, something that about that seemed to like infiltrate the whole world. Like it seemed to like it was such a large scale event and there's so much amazing energy and just like power and knowledge within the forest of the Amazon that it almost like impacted people on a subconscious and conscious level. And I don't know, I just want, I don't know what you, I don't know what you think about that. And it's, I just find that yeah. really interesting. Well, uh, um, like I, I try and straddle the line yeah, kind of between the, line, the spiritual yeah. side of energy That's and nice. just the practicality yeah. of it. Like I've described this to other people before, but I got into kind of being more open-minded about spiritual the spiritual side of everything through being a very logical minded person. Mm. I came across just the quantum physics of everything and how everything, this stuff is what will open your mind to the thought that spiritual people have, they're right in a way. None of us really know what's going on, but I completely believe in that. I think there's too much going on. I wish I could think of some of the examples right here, you know, like, I just like I, I for my just myself that really became a big one to me was back Burning Man was just there's this temple where everyone prints it burns on the very last night of Burning Man and everyone prints um, pictures or notes of a family member that they loved or a relationship that was broken that year that they wanted to like cleanse themselves of so one of the big parts of that experience was like cleansing yourself on the final day and when you walk towards the the temple if you got within. 100 feet of it you could feel it you could just like feel this like weight on you and I don't know it was really hard to explain because is that just like a psycho- psychologically self-imposed because you know the meaning of the tower or is there some sort of energy radiating from it how does that where does that weight that came on my chest actually come from and that's something that I'm still trying to understand a little bit more about as well too yeah that's the really it's hard to talk about that in black and white terms mm. but <laughs> so yeah okay so we're going on for a bit here what uh, do you have any last things for myself that I'm just thinking here yeah I mean I don't know if you wanted to quickly ask me anything or if uh, my last question was basically going to be um, I mean I feel like a lot of podcast hosts ask yeah, the yeah. same one That's but okay. you know you're doing so many things and you're very active and um, you're very forward thinking like what what are you looking to kind of create in the world mm, what, what is that like the possibilities or the purpose yeah. I'm just really curious to hear kind of what yeah. your vision of it all well, I might my, be I, I ask myself that every day <laughs> <laughs> like st- straight up just like Tata why why are you doing this like I, and I love that question not even in a bad way like negatively asking myself but I think it's just so important to do that 
because um, I put myself in, you know, very <laughs> interesting place. Um, sometimes you just like, you know, like any journey, sometimes you don't know where the destination is and then you like find your way part way through it. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like, how did, I, yeah. how, did I, how did I end up here? Um, so, like, I think it goes back to what we talked to on the one part was, so if I take it back to growing up and, you know, was I, I actually have always had problems communicating. So the way that you sort of described me in the start about your mind racing like 100 miles a minute or whatever, like that's what goes on in my mind. And so one of my constant challenges has always been, Tyler, you talk too fast. Or like, um, Tyler, just I don't know what the hell you're talking about. And um, I had a lisp growing up as well too. And I still even, I think that comes in times of stress. I actually even forget to like pronunciate my words properly. And um, I just, this is under, this over, like, like sort of ongoing theme. And, um, you know, so I think a lot of it comes, like one thing I never understood was just how much an impact, for example, your childhood it probably has on the rest of your life. I always sort of try to break away from those chains and I continually through mindfulness, um, theogens, like all these things I can, I can overwrite a lot of this stuff and overcome it, but they're still always tied back in some way to that. Um, so I think a lot of the experiences sort of with the lisp growing up and just, um, trying to communicate and not always being understood has been a really difficult challenge in my life and not one that I necessarily want other people to have to face. So whether that's communicating like for myself professionally um, like in front of a group of people or just in a one-to-one conversation um, or whether that's for myself and I think for other people too is communicating when they're having problems in their lives or trying to communicate traumas that they have and articulate that and get that message across. So like one of my big visions or like purposes right now that I've thought about is just like if I can help like one person communicate better then the whole world becomes a better place because by default everyone is communicating and if even there's just small incremental progresses by individual people that actually has an impact and it can compound really quickly as well too so um you know i'm working on my like my software project right now and it's weird to like apply technology to it because it's such a human thing that we're trying to do um but to myself anyways every time i was really trying to communicate both to other people and to myself i'm like i have it open right now i'm using like evernote and i just write a journal and i talk to myself like sometimes i'll just like write a topic on my note will be like tyler what's stressing you out right now and then i'll just write every single down in like a numbered list of like what it is so it's like a communication channel to myself in that moment and then something i can also reflect back on and um i'm just trying to that's like my big mission right now how can i get um you know how can i help people sort of communicate um whether that's um, you know, yeah, internally to themselves, um, to a therapist, um, to their family and friends, or in a professional uh, setting as well. And I think, um, you know, if everyone can be a little bit more conf- comp- uh, you know, confident in, in that process, then it does. The world becomes a better place. People become more fulfilled. And if we can all get the message across that we're trying to get across, then um, we can all be sort of happier and we can also move on and make progress around those things. So I think that's it. Um, it's fascinating, though, when you have to you have to balance what can be, to me, is a pretty holistic vision with um, the practicality of today's world as well, too, right? So, um, you know, I still have to make enough money to survive, hopefully some profits so I can reinvest in things, hopefully I can hire more people. So it's trying to take what, to me, is a pretty big, audacious goal and actually distilling it down into small little things and chunks that... Um, you know, actually are capable of being implemented in today with the resources that I have that people can understand. Like I have 
what I'm, you know, right in, like even what I'm, like what I'm doing now is like, you know, I'm more like taking, you know, audio and video, I'm transcribing it and I'm extracting it. And like, it, I can, right now I've realized if you take a transcription, what like you can do with your podcast, you just video or audio transcription below, you'll like rank higher in search engines. So to my, one of my thought processes is like today, if you actually want to communicate, you actually have to get seen. Know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if you're just communicating yeah. and no one sees it, you're not actually communicating. So how can we effectively help people communicate both online and then in the real world? Well, there needs to be some distribution involved in that. And one of the things that irks me so much right now and what I like about what you're doing with this podcast and part of it why I'm happy to do it is just like people, there's a saying in marketing, you spend 20% of the time creating the content and you spend 80% of the time distributing content. And I just think that's completely backwards. Like I think that's why we have all this surface level shitty clickbait content and information online that isn't actually there to be valuable. It's just like been out there to be distributed and trying to find as many things as possible. So how can we help people like focus more on the actual creation part and making like really valuable content or information or like, um, you know, like even just like speak authentically and hopefully, you know, if you speak from your heart and you're truly communicating, you care about what you're doing, someone wants to hear that. So how can we get it to that person as well too? So I think, I don't know, I just, I think that's such a big part of what I'm trying to help right now. And um, I need to do it for myself because I'm hoping that I have some sort of message that is worth listening to. And I think everyone thinks something internally with them is, is valuable. And I think that's true. And, uh, and then wanting to help other people with that, with that same thing too. Awesome. Yeah. Sweet. That was a great yeah. response. Oh, thank you, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, ex- I'm excited to see what you create with it. Thank I've you, been, sir. I've been appreciate it. along the whole time. Um, it's really cool just seeing you get up to these new projects. So, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for having me here today, buddy. It's, uh, you know, I appreciate what you're doing. And um, I know, you know, it's uh, always interesting, again, in this world that there's so much stuff going on. But it's, it's beautiful for you to create, like, a mindful space, whether it's talking with the friends or someone that you don't know. And uh, it's been an enjoyable process. So uh, thanks for having me. I look forward to listening as well, too. And probably analyze myself and back and say, Ty, you fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks, buddy. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> to be fair, that's what everyone does. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. that's not what actual <laughs> listeners are thinking. So I'll give you the fair warning. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> awesome.